Why is Virginia a strategic target for those who want to expand physician-assisted suicide nationwide? Plus, a Christian high school in Vermont has been kicked out of sporting events because of its stance on biological boys competing on female teams. Is this tolerance? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our Government Relations Director, Dr. Todd Gacky. Well, our President Victoria is out this week, and we miss her, but it does give us a wonderful opportunity to talk with our Director of Government Relations and Policy, Dr. Todd Gacky. Welcome, yeah, Todd. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, so you're going to bring us up to speed on some hot-button issues happening right now in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I'll do my best. Yep. But before we get into all that, we do have a little update. You guys might remember that last week we talked about this sad but uh, kind of humorous incident that happened in Newark, New Jersey, where the city council signed this cultural alliance type of agreement with a, a Hindu nation that turned out to be fake, the nation of Kailasa. Well, I think we have to do a little confession this week that this might be a case of the pot calling the kettle black because we have since learned that they were not alone. Apparently, there are some 30 U.S. cities and even a couple of congressmen that have also been duped in this way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so 30 cities have now joined uh, Newark, New Jersey uh, to give honor to this fake Hindu nation um, including Richmond. Wow. Um, yeah, Richmond all, is on the list. They have all been duped. Um, it's, uh, it's an effort to be as woke as you can. It's a race to wokeism is what I, I, I say. Guess I see it. That's the only thing, you know, what, what is motivating, um, 30 us cities to fall for this and not even do a Google search. Yeah. Um, that's what we were talking about. This yeah. You could have easily have done some type of search, figure out, is this really a nation? What What is this legit? Yeah. And uh, I think you would quickly have found that, no, it does not exist. Um, and that's when good staff comes in into play. You know, you hope that you I have mean, good staff to help. It, it makes you want to feel like we really need to pray for our nation. Yeah. Uh, makes you wonder if we're, we're kind of on this long slide toward a banana republic. Uh, but, but like you said, Maybe the heart of it is this over-eagerness to look politically correct, yeah. um, especially in the area of diversity, that people just don't even feel like they can ask questions. Right, right? yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with trying to celebrate, you know, other nations, other yeah. cultures and history, but yeah. let's... <laughs> Let's not celebrate those that are made up and fake. You know, that's that should be rule number one. All right. We should mention here that, uh, yes, we mentioned Richmond is on the list. Um, I just want to explain real quick. Uh, Fox News apparently did this investigation. So they went to the Kailasa website. Yes, the fake nation has a fake website. And uh, they found that Kailasa had a map of, of the United States and that, you know, showed where all the 30 cities were that had signed this. And Richmond is one of them. And so Fox News did call as many cities as they could. And they, they reported that so far all the cities they've called have basically said, yeah, we signed some kind of agreement. Uh, and so I looked at the uh, proclamation that Kailasa has on its website for the city of Richmond, which mm -hmm. has mm -hmm. our very own Mayor LeVar Stoney's signature on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, this proclamation expresses solidarity with Hindu minorities and congratulates the sovereign leader of Kailasa for having, quote, a significant impact on Richmond, Virginia. 
significant impact. <laughs> a fake country having a significant impact. Uh, I would like to know what impact has that been, you know? In the imagination, To, to, to I guess. reveal the ability to dupe a whole city into well, giving them. It's had an impact. Yeah, yeah, it sure has. You know, yeah. uh, look, it's also impacted con- uh, U.S. senators. So they our, weren't, yeah, with the, Richmond very, wasn't alone. Yeah, they were not alone. Our very own U.S. Senator Tim Kaine even issued a certificate to this, to this fake nation um, and so you wonder, okay, could he have at least made a phone call over to the State Department, someone in his office, you know, you know, just a little bit of effort <laughs> to, to just, you know, ask a question. And I think it goes back to what you're saying. Everyone seems to be kind of scared to ask questions. They want to they want to walk on eggshells, it seems, on these kinds yeah. of issues. And it's OK to ask questions. It's OK to ask. Is this a legit country? Never heard of it. Yeah, it does. You know, I don't know about what it says about basic civic education, like you said, geography. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, because Tim King could have been a vice president, right? That's like, right. Yeah, he, yeah, he was he was Hillary Clinton's vice presidential uh, candidate there, the running mate. So um, I think we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I don't know that there's really much else to say, but we did want to um, give a fair confession that Newark wasn't alone in this. Uh, but getting into today's topic... I wanted to yeah. talk about a very important victory that we recently celebrated here at the Family Foundation. Yeah. And that is we were able to defeat these repeated efforts to really push physician-assisted suicide into Virginia. Yeah, it uh, it kind of it didn't get a whole lot of, of um, media attention because there's a lot of bills to try and um, you know address abortion uh, and, and put in place some protections for sanctity of life for the unborn. But this was a bill that would have made essentially physician-assisted suicide legal in Virginia. And uh, it was, it's called medical aid in dying, but we call it what it really is, physician-assisted suicide. Or as I like to say, doctor prescribed death. I I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. where, you know, essentially you get a couple of signatures and you're able to get this little cocktail that you take and it helps expedite the the dying process for vulnerable people we're talking about those that have a a serious illness life life ending illness um, maybe later in age elderly um, and it's very it's very dangerous position or policy to put in place uh, given the vulnerability of many of these individuals well, well let's just back up um, and give some broader perspective here mm-hmm. so there's at least 10 states right, that currently have legalized physician-assisted suicide. Yeah. So yeah. why is Virginia being targeted? Yeah, it's an important question. Uh, if we look, you know, you have it on the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, California. On the East Coast, I think it's Maine uh, has, uh, has a, a policy in place. But where you really can get a foothold, if, you are, if you're the other side trying to advance this policy, this, this life-ending policy, um, is you want to get it in the Bible Belt. You want to get it in the southern part of the country. And they, for a few years now, have targeted Virginia. And Virginia has been the the state that they want to see, especially when, when Democrats were in control of the legislature and you had uh, Governor uh, Northam in, in, mm-hmm. in office. They really made a concerted effort to push this. Yeah, because they've been pushing this for like five years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, various, in various forms, you know, the legislation itself has taken some some different uh, variations, but you know, this year was really important because last, so last year the bill failed seven to seven with one senator in committee 
uh, the Senate Education and Health Committee abstaining from the vote. This year, it failed. Actually, they lost votes. The other side didn't, you know, someone, there was two senators that actually voted to reject this bill, which is great because you never want to be in a position where you're losing votes that, that if you're trying to advance a policy. So to summarize, they see Virginia as an important foothold into the Bible Belt. And uh, we and a coalition of other groups that yeah. believe in the sanctity of human life in all its stages uh, block that for this year. Yeah, it's really so, important to, to recognize that we, we're working and partnering with, with a number of other, uh, other organizations, physicians, experts in the area. And it was a collaborative effort. Um, and so, and we're thankful. We I know we sent out a, an email alert and some efforts to try and motivate grassroots. And we're very thankful yes. for those who did call in or or send emails. Well, it's very me, helpful. Let me ask you this, just to help people get their minds around this issue, because we're going to keep having to fight this. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, help us understand what physician assisted suicide is. It's that yeah. So normally a doctor who operates under the do no harm sort of philosophy would be, okay, let's give you medication to help at least um, stop a little bit of the pain, help you feel comfortable as you- Palliative care. Yeah, palliative care. This is different. This is essentially saying, hey, we're not going to go that route. We think that it it may be better and we're gonna give you this option to take this drug and just going ahead and and end your life that way. It's it's forcing the death to happen. It is, yeah. So just to clarify, the specific law that was being pushed or measure that was being pushed in Virginia would have said that adults with a terminal illness, in other words, they've been given six months or left to Mm -hmm. live, could uh, take advantage of physician-assisted suicide. Now, a lot of people might think, okay, well, that's a compassionate thing we can do for yeah. these people. So what are your major concerns with this policy? Yeah, it, uh, it's what you call it, a slippery slope, right? Um, once you open the door for this, then you allow for insurance companies to be able to dictate you know, the prescription of medication. And they're going to look at it from a monetary standpoint. And they're going to say, hey, it may be more advantageous to go and prescribe these these life-ending drugs rather than giving them these drug, uh, the prescriptions to help them prolong their life yeah, and allow for natural death. Life-ending drugs are a lot cheaper yeah. than, you know, palliative care or, um, you know, treatments, expensive treatments. Yeah. So there's, yeah. And, and there's always the case for manipulation for someone who is, at, you know, facing these, these you know, look, We've been around, we all have family members, we all have friends that have been in these situations, but it opens the door for them to be easily manipulated to go this route and, and make a decision that, may, you know, that they would regret, you know, to take away time with their family, to take away time from their loved ones. Um, we really have to be very careful about the public policies we've put in place in this, in this arena because the the consequences are very far-reaching and we don't even have to look any further than Canada to -hmm. see what the negative outcomes will be and how far they'll go. We're going to get into that in a moment but I just want to mention that you I saw something that you had written up that we already have incidents of these uh, insurance companies in Oregon and California yeah actually uh, telling, you said that it's been documented, telling terminally ill patients that the treatments that might have saved their life aren't covered, but the physician-assisted suicide is. Yeah, right? the reports are starting to come back about about these incidents happening. 
and uh, and it's just you know an example of what happens there on the West Coast. We're there are the cases right there, and if we put it in place here in Virginia, that's the risk that you know that'll be there for Virginians as well. Well, let me just mention real quick. Let me just take a quick break and mention to everybody: if you want more information on these topics. We do have information about physician-assisted suicide on our website. That's familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. And also, don't forget, we just launched our new YouTube version of the podcast. So make sure you share it with friends and subscribe on YouTube to Speak Up Virginia. All right. So getting back into talking about physician-assisted suicide Mm -hmm. and the concerns with it, Um, One thing that strikes me is just you are sending the message to people with these chronic illnesses or terminal illness or even in some cases in in, um, other, as we've seen in Canada that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You're sending the message that your life, because you have this condition, is less valued to us in society, to the government. Yeah. Especially if if the government, when you think about it, is legalizing some forms of suicide for some people and not others, you're basically saying it's okay if if your life is no longer here. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. You put in place a law that says, okay, these individuals, you know, it's okay for them to be prescribed, you know, these drugs to end their life because, you know, according to the government, these lives are expendable. Yeah, really. I think that's the message. It's a devaluing of human life, for sure. I also wanted to point out how the sponsors of this bill in Virginia seem to be justifying it, because I saw this one quote from Senator Hashmi, um, and I'm just going to read the quote here, uh, because she was trying to promote it as, quote, a personal decision made by the individual, their families, and their physician. Now, doesn't that sound like, Todd, Pretty similar to the language we hear justifying abortion all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's all part of the same narrative. It's all about the life. And here, in one moment, in one sense, you're talking about the uh, protection of unborn life in the womb. The other, we're talking about protecting vulnerable lives at the end, you know, at the end of their life when they're facing tragic decisions about, you know, chronic illness. Um, And it's, it's, they're all, they're all connected. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, and the connectors you were pointing out before we were talking earlier hmm. is the moral authority that we're trying to have. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so God, you know, God says I'm the author of life and death, and here you have a situation where they are um, essentially trying to play that role of you know these lives, you know they they are expendable, and we are going to determine whether or not they they're worth being part of our society. Yeah, we, we take the place of God now and decide when people are born, when they can be born, yeah. and when they die. So that's yeah. kind of scary. It is. This whole conversation did make me remember this interview I heard with Johnny Erickson Tata mm-hmm. a while back when she was responding to yeah. some news headlines about a young woman that had decided to end her life because she had a, a terminal brain disease. Yeah. Um, and she really kind of touched with into what you're talking about with the role that God has in our lives. So let's just listen to that clip real quick. Believe me, living as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair with chronic pain, there are many times I think, I don't wanna live like this. I don't wanna be a burden to my family. I don't wanna suffer. But God is the only one who retains the right to decide when we're born and when we're dying. 
And Romans chapter 14, verse 7 says, no one lives to himself alone or dies to himself alone. My choice to face life with courage and to even face suffering with courage has an incredible impact on people around me. Yeah. Can I just say that how remarkable of a person that she is, you know, God has used her and her testimony to reach who knows how many individuals um, to show that just because you have suffered a tragic accident in her case, um, that, and she has other challenges as well. She is a fighter. She keeps fighting and she keeps just advocating on behalf of God and, and, and living that out to yeah. show that just because I'm in a wheelchair and I'm confined to this position, I'm not going to let that define me. Yeah. And, and for you know, that reminds me, for those of you that may not be as familiar with Johnny, um, she was an amazing athlete as a teen and then had this terrible accident. I think it was diving in a pool, if I, I remember. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then she became a quadriplegic for life. Yeah. Now, a lot of people might think that she really had nothing productive to offer. And here she's reached millions yeah. that none of us could ever reach. Right. Like, I, I, you know, we, we really have to, you know, recognize that those that have disabilities, those that are faced with certain um, challenges, they, they can offer so much to our society, give us um, hope and inspiration just by, just by living out their life. And, and, and I think that that's what, um, Johnny Erickson Tata is trying to, to do through her ministry is to um, convey that these are individuals who can inspire us to continue, no matter what our circumstances are, to continue persevering, to they advance the kingdom of God. Yeah, And we don't have the right to say they don't. Well, often you also hear a lot of efforts to justify these bills by saying that they have kind of safeguards around them, like waiting periods. Um, mm-hmm. I think in mm-hmm. Virginia's case, they were saying that you had to get a, um, information about a hospice available to the, the patient first and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Help us understand, according to what we've seen in Canada, why that's really not a good reassurance. Yeah, well, in Canada, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. When you when you create a policy like this, you sort of open the door and the floodgates for any sort of excuse. And in Canada, um, now it could be for mental illness. You know, they're pursuing those those kinds of avenues. Um, and some articles now are coming out and saying for any reason, you know, if they are, you know, dealing with any type of depression or mental illness. And, and it makes it really difficult to really determine whether or not they have the mental capacity to make this decision. Um, and that, then that opens the door for people to come in and, and make those decisions for them to manipulate them. So yeah. it won't just, it won't, it, it won't just stop with those who are, who are adults who have chronic right. illnesses. It will go much further than that. Yeah. Because understand that the Canada policy, uh, did begin with just saying it was going to be for those with terminal illnesses. That's right. Just like the one that was proposed in Virginia. That's that, where it started. That's where it started. Yeah. Then it moved to chronic diseases mm-hmm. and conditions. Mm-hmm. And now, like you said, now there's a real push in that country to open it up to mental illness. And like yeah. you said, you don't want people struggling with two weeks of depression to make right. a decision yeah. to, in their life, right? Because That's right. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's it, Canada is a, is a great example of how far this legislation could go and why it's so important to make sure it does not become public policy in Virginia. Also, I think it's important to look at the stats in Canada. Mm-hmm. I saw when this started out the first year, they had a thousand people, at least that was reported, t- using the physician assisted suicide in their lives. 
In 2021, five years later, 10,000, at least more than 10,000. Mm. Isn't that a 10? That's a tenfold increase. Yes. Wow. So. That's uh, that's incredible. Um, it's just, you know, the value of life. Uh, we've, we've really got to change hearts and minds on this issue. It really yeah. is. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Todd, I know our team has been doing a lot to try to get through the Save Girls Sports kind of bills in Virginia. And basically, if that passed, uh, that is a bill that would ensure that our girls in our high schools and our colleges have a fair and equal opportunity to compete in sports without being forced into these matchups against biological men that have been placed on girls' teams. Now, sadly, that was defeated. I know your team's not going to give up on that. uh -uh. We'll keep fighting for it. Yeah. But in the meantime, something is happening in Vermont right now that I think pretty well illustrates why these laws are so needed. Yeah. So you have a Christian high school, uh, the girls basketball team, and they were slated to, to compete against another school. And on that school, they had a biological male competing. And they... They, you know, opposed this, um, and they were actually eventually punished, not because they did something unethical or something wrong, but they were punished by this, the association, by the, the sports association, because of their unwillingness to compete against the other team. The coach was simply just trying to protect their safety, to keep it fair. Yeah, so if I remember correctly, I think the name of the school was Mid-Vermont Christian School, and the head of the school put out this statement to Fox Mm -hmm. News, and I'm just going to read it here. It says, quote, We withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. Todd, what do you think about that? I, I think that's a great statement. You know, we have we have said over and over again, it's about fairness, it's about safety, and it's about protecting the integrity of female sports. Uh, and when you have incidents like this, you're violating all three of those criteria that we want to make sure that we, we su- support through legislation like we tried to advance here in Virginia. Yeah, and it does not seem fair that this association regulating the high school sports in the state that they have, in punishment, as you said, basically, yeah. they have barred this Christian school from participation in any of their sporting events. And that's not just basketball. That's everything. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, again, just to reiterate, they didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing unethical. They just wanted to make sure none of their girls got hurt against playing against a what would probably have been a larger biological male. Yeah, and they're a Christian school that's not embracing transgender ideology. Yes. That should not be a big surprise. No. All right, here's the kicker in all this. Apparently, the ins- the association enforcing this punishment actually has a policy that mandates that before every sporting event, there is this announcement that is supposed to be read out loud that tells participants to respect race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, national origin, and so on. Uh 
how contradictory. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're going to respect religion. Oh, but if you actually uh, live practice out, it. practice it, you know, uh, practice your principles, your religious principles, that's not okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the progressive left for you. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that means this week's Inconceivable Award does have to go to this association. It's called the Vermont Principles Association for demonstrating that old saying, watch what we do and not what we say. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia. And remember, you can subscribe to us on YouTube or other platforms like Apple and Spotify. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. <laughs>